Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased to announce that my latest release, Cold Spring, is now available exclusively on Amazon. Cold Spring is my second um, attempt at self-publishing, and um, I've already gotten my first five-star review, and it is a story that is really close to my heart. It is set on Long Island, so it's about a Long Island Irish-American family, and the main character, Maura Lenehan, was, um, as a teenager, the center of a sex scandal, and it's now 20 years on, and... um, her past, she can't outrun her past. So it's, it really is a great story. I hope that you'll give it a shot. It is um, the cover, and an excerpt from the book is on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. So tonight, I'm so pleased to welcome Claire Devon. Claire writes urban fantasy, paranormal, and contemporary romances. So welcome, Claire, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. How are you this evening? Claire? Uh-oh. Claire has dropped for some reason. I'm hoping that she's going to call back. Claire, I can't hear you, so please dial back. Okay, let's give – she was on the line. I was talking to her a few minutes ago, so let's give her a few minutes. Very, very strange. Um But anyway, while we're waiting for Claire to dial back in, um, maybe I can read you a little excerpt from Cold Spring. Uh, Twenty years ago, Maura Lenahan was the curvaceous, red-haired teenager at the center of a political sex scandal. Today, Maura is the 35-year-old hospice nurse who spends her days caring for the cancer-ridden and comatose and her nights reading romance novels in a drab apartment with only a dying ficus for company. Her life is boring and safe, and just the way she likes it. However, Mora's safe cocoon is now being threatened both by the press's renewed interest in the 20-year-old scandal and the attentions of her most recent patient, a 30-year-old Wall Street investment banker whose black hair and blue eyes are oddly familiar. So that's an excerpt from Cold Spring. Again, it's available. It's only $2.99, and it's also part of Kindle Unlimited, so um, please check that out. Oh, it looks like Claire has joined us. Claire, can you Sorry hear me? Sorry about that. Oh, no, not a problem. I I bored all our listeners reading my excerpt from my book. <laughs> but anyway. I'm certain I'm glad... you did not. <laughs> <laughs> not quite sure well, what happened Claire, there. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, that's the that's the fun of live radio, isn't it? So, um, And I don't think I disconnected you. I got a new computer, but I I don't think it was me disconnecting you. But anyway, my, my I'm glad you're sudden, back. <laughs> thank you. My phone suddenly said no link to base, which, you know, landlines oh, no. didn't do that. So luckily I have more than one. Anyway. So, Claire, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about your publication journey. How long have you been writing professionally? Well, you know, you, you, you hear the old stories about I've been writing since I was, you know, seven and a half, and the, that is true, but the truth is that I got myself back on this journey about two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, seven, eight years ago, I'd written several novels, one that uh, won a contest, and then I had put it aside. But for the past two years, I've really been focusing on trying to make a go of it. I have a regular daytime job. So I self-published a very naughty book 
uh, two years ago, and then I started working on my urban fantasies and also my contemporaries. So really the journey to self-publishing, I think, is um, one of just sticking to it and keeping going with your craft. So, you know, in essence, my journey is writing, publishing, and promoting. And now it sounds like you've hopped around some genres. What? But it, have all your books had some kind of romantic element? Absolutely. Um, I can't imagine writing a story without a romance um, because that's that's the fun of it. You know, when I was a kid, I used to read those Harlequin romances, the 180 pages with the doctor and the uh, nurses and all that. Um, but I like the journey. I like the story that you tell when you have two people that are really attracted to each other and you know something is keeping them apart. So whether it's a paranormal or urban fantasy like the time travel story or any contemporary, it's really about, for me, the romantic journey to get to that happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you said your first book was rather naughty. What is, what's the heat level of your other books? Uh well, the first book was really naughty, but all of my books have a have a high heat level. None of them are couched in euphemisms, and none of them close the door when they get to the bedroom. And that always felt like, you know, I'm old enough that there was a lot of that when I was younger, and then everything was, you know, the throbbing manhood and all of that. But now I prefer heat level to be... Oh, God, there was a publisher that I used to do beta reading for. They had different levels, you know, Garnet, Sapphire, whatever it was. And Oh, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. I can't yeah. remember. One of those rows, Wild Rose or there's a couple of those Resplendence or something, okay. yeah. Um, so it's a step below Alora's Cave and way above um, A Harlequin Presents. So it's really hovering, I think, on what is out there currently for some, you know, not really Laurel K. Hamilton. She goes a little further than I would, but that kind of heat where it's definitely graphic, and but always in the context of a romantic relationship. Right, right. So you you wouldn't say that your stuff is erotica. You, you're, it sounds like you're maybe a step below that. Is that a yeah, fair? I mean, I think that first book skirted that line, but it, at the end it was still a romance story. And the mm-hmm. others uh, are... Yeah, not erotica, but not quite romantica, just definitely very sexy romances. Right, right. Well, I'm very impressed. That, I'm always impressed when people tell me that they were able to write the hot stuff right away because I started writing probably in 2009, and my first book was a chiclet, you know, fluffy little romance but there was, like, no heat. <laughs> I mean, none. And my my editor at the time at Lyrical Press, she's like, we have uh-huh. to put something in here. <laughs> they have to at least touch. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I just couldn't do it, you know. And I, I got a, kind of got away with it in that book because there's a lot of humor. And um, so that, that was my first book, Gold Coast Wives. And even my second book, then I became very serious, like women's fiction. Again, there was always a romantic element because I think it's very difficult to write about a woman's life and not have some kind of romantic element because that's even, you know, even people have been married for a long time. There's always, there's usually something. There's usually some kind of love interest. But so my third book, I actually wrote, started writing a paranormal. And I don't know what it was, but it, it freed me up in a lot of ways. And I think it was because you had that the fantasy part. And it just, you know, I just went a little, got 
got looser. And so my first book in my paranormal series, um, Devil's Mountain, had some, you know, racy sex scenes. And every book after that has been hotter and hotter and hotter. Not, again, not erotica, but, I mean, compared to my first book where, I, like I said, I think they kissed once or twice. Um, it was a big <laughs> step for me. So did you, now, do you find it's easier um, in 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 writing your paranormals to, to have that heat level, or you just you have a heat level in all your books? Well, this, the great thing about paranormals, and one of the reasons I'm heading to that genre, first of all, I get a lot of hits when I, I write in that genre, but also I think, like you said, it does free you up. It, you can Because you can create the world, but it, it's not, you know, it's fantasy sometimes, but in the sense of science fiction fantasy, but... More than that, you can. They can be so many different things. So the the paranormal that's been finaling, they they can hear each other's thoughts. You know, not quite psychic, but so you can go deeper. For me, mm-hmm. you just you approach it from a different point of view. With contemporary, I love my contemporaries, um, but you're you're bound by the fact that oh, gosh, we're human. You know, you can't yeah. fly. Yeah, no, I, I almost feel because of, of, you know, just like I said, the fantasy and it's just being such a different world that you can sometimes deal with deeper issues, you know, sexually and other issues um, in that context in a way that you can't with a con- with a contemporary where you're kind of stuck, like you said, in the real world. Yeah. But um, well, maybe you could talk a little bit about your paranormal series and and you know what paranormal entities you have in it. Is it witches? Is it is it vampires? Is it, what is it? Uh, no to both, uh, although there okay. are vampires and werewolves as elements. in. It's going to be a five-part series. I'm calling it the Elementals series because it's for um, human, or not human, but uh, in, not, you know, there's Elementals who are the good guys, and then they have counterparts, and it's Earth, Air, Fire, and Water. So each one focuses on one of the Elementals, and their journey is that they have to defeat their counterpart, the bad guy, Demonos, again, Earth, Air, Fire, Water counterparts, in a series of challenges. And then the fifth book is going to be one great big war, perhaps, would be the one way to call it, for control and, and the rescuing of humankind. So what I didn't want to do, I wanted to steer away from the vampire, the werewolf, the witch. They are always elements in any paranormal story. They have to be. They're such parts of our culture. But I didn't want that to be the focus. I wanted to try to go for something a little fresher because mm-hmm. um, I feel like that genre has been a little bit beaten to death. So each one will have. I play. I play with the um, the world in the sense that paranormals are all around us, but humans can't see them, can't experience them. But the paranormals know they're there, but humans see them differently. So while they're battling for rescuing mankind, mankind doesn't know that that's happening. Mm-hmm. So the final journey will be, you know, there's four elements, but um, in a great flash of brilliance, I realized that uh, in the creation of the world, there's um, all sorts of mythos and stories about the fifth element. So that's what the last story will be focusing on. So it's really quite quite an arc. And 
it's been a lot of fun to write. I mean, when you start playing with pantheons of gods, and there's so many critters out there. If you go online, if you go on Wikipedia, which is my friend, and start looking at different, just unique, interesting uh, mythologies and people and monsters that are out there, you can you can just do all this fun stuff with it. So I've really had a, a good time um, researching it, for one thing. <laughs> it's like, where can I go today? And what can I create? And you're really free because, you know, there are no bounds as long as you make the world make sense. Right, as long as you're internally consistent in creating Correct. your world. I agree with Correct. you. And do you write any kind of Bible, you know, to because to, especially since you're writing a series, um, I had one. I had um, an interview with Bianca Dark, who writes mm-hmm. Paranormals, and she also writes in series. And one of the things she said she really needed to do, especially if it's a long series, is write a Bible so that she knows in book seven, you know, this type of entity can only do Y, you know, or X. Now, do right. you, have you had to write something like that? I have, I have created, or I have actually had it created for me, and I'm going to keep it up because I'm almost done with the first draft of the second book. Yes, it's critical because it's very easy to forget, and I've noticed it. Sometimes I'll go back and read, and I'll say, wait a minute. He had his wings here, and he doesn't have them here. Oh, crap, you know. And yeah. So, yeah, and the color, you, know, you want the color of the eyes to be consistent, and it sounds silly, but you get halfway through a book, and sometimes you forget what was in the beginning. So, yes, right. I think a Bible is a necessary element, especially in a series. Not so important in a a 70,000-word uh, contemporary, but definitely for a series. Right, and especially a paranormal series. Yeah. Well, I, what I, I think is very interesting is how you said you you focused on a different type of paranormal entity in order to keep it fresh, because I think you're right. I think people know so much about what a vampire does, what a werewolf does, what a witch does. And so I think focusing on an elemental care, um, entity you know, probably freed you up a lot. And it's very interesting that you say that because in my book, the main bad guy, I never really say exactly what he is until like the fourth book or so. But it's it's a, a type of a- elemental. And so that oh. freed me up. So I gave him all kinds of abilities. And in each book, it changed a little bit. And, you know, no one could read it and say, oh, but, but wait, elementals can't do that because most people don't know what elementals are. So and, you know and, that's, and you can play with it, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that actually opened opened it up for me, um, and he could take the form of different. You know, he could be a man, he could be you know an animal. So it was really really fun um, to do. But like I said, um, but I also had witches. The the good guys are this family of Irish witches, and I actually had to do a certain amount of research there because people know what witches can do. So. Um, I've talked about this on the show before, but I actually went to the Long or the New York Witches Festival here on Long Island, and it was really wild because I met with people who this is actually their religion, and they um, they were very very nice. And actually, um, one of the people there gave me one of their books, and and so I kind of based it again on some things that most people know about witchcraft. And but still made it my own, you know, because at the end of the day, it's your world, right? So you get to make the rules, which is one of the fun parts of being a writer, isn't it? It absolutely is. And like you said, as long as you're internally consistent. But I think also you can play with it 
as long as you don't go too far outside of what's expected. I, yeah, um, you, I, yeah, you don't want to pull out the pull the reader out of the out of the story by saying, right. like you said, like, oh, werewolves can't do that, unless you explain it. You know what I mean? Like, the, you know, I the, I guess um, Stephanie Meyer's books where the vampires can actually be out outside. I mean, she kind of explained that, right? Um, so if you're going to break the rules, you have to like deliberately break the rules, just not you know break the rules inadvertently. So um, yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. you know, and people say that paranormal is dead, but I don't see it. You know, I really don't. I think it, it maybe it's not as popular as it once was, but I think it'll come back just because there is so much material there, and people are coming up with new and exciting ways to explore the genre. So. So, and now you've published how many um, books in this series? I haven't published any in this series. The reason is because it's finaling in contests. So I'm mm-hmm. holding I'm holding to try to – I'm going to go one of two directions. First of all, I'm writing just as fast as my little fingers and time will permit me to get ahead of the series. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. I'm almost done with the second one, which is the air elemental, at least the first draft. The first one is the fire elemental. Um, but I am going to pitch it. It's, we'll see how I do in the second contest, which is a month from now. We'll find out the finals. The first contest I placed second, which was very cool. I got a little check and everything. Um, and then I, then I, my intention is to pitch it. And if, you know, I have no objection to self-publishing. I love self-publishing. Um, I think it's really freed us up to do so many different things without the the constraints of what regular publishers think is popular. But it also is going to be something that, you know, I'm I'm in RWA, and there's certain levels within the Romance Writers of America that are like pro and pan. And, of course, who doesn't want to be a pro? But to do that, you, you know, you have to be published, so... I'm working towards it, and I'm hopeful. And, you know, all you can do is keep writing, keep promoting, and keep polishing. Right, 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 right. So um, so you belong to RWA. Have you belonged to RWA from the beginning? And have you, you know, what have you found helpful about being part of RWA? Well, I joined around the time. Actually, I've been a member for about 10 years. Um and I, I basically kept it up, you know, in this time span when I wasn't really writing. Here and there I was thinking, I have to get back to, because I had eight or nine contemporaries in first draft. I just have, wasn't doing anything with them. But now that I'm active again, I've also joined my local chapter. And what I find it very helpful is in keeping up with the genre. Um, some people, you know, there's a lot of online chatter about, the purpose and value of mem- uh, membership in a group like this. But I think, if nothing else, and there's a lot more that's else, it keeps you in the moment with the people who you are trying to be a contemporary of. So there's conferences, there's, of course, the giant convention in July, and then mm-hmm. there's my local chapter, which is uh, Los Angeles Romance Authors, because I live in L.A., and that is great because we have monthly meetings. Everyone supports each other. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do. We have a monthly newsletter, and we have guest speakers. And you know, you're always trying to better yourself. I think being an active member of any organization like that only helps you improve in the craft that you've chosen to go into. 
Right, right. No, I be- I belong to RWA as well, and and I've kind of you know, there are times when I'm more active than not, depending on what's going on in my in my real life. But um, but I I do feel it's helpful to to have that connection, and sometimes the the connection is only on the the email loop to see what other people are doing, but. You know, it's great to be able to go to a meeting, and again, we it's, we kind of have the same format. We have guest speakers, we have critique session, um, and I'm looking very much looking forward to going to the um, the big conference in July because it's in my backyard. It's in New York. I was going to say, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, so I have to go to that. Um, and I've actually also submitted a workshop proposal about oh. using Log Talk Radio as a promotional tool. So I'm hoping that that will be picked up. But um, but regardless, I, I am looking forward to that. And like you said, I think there's, you know, for a large organization, it can never meet everyone's needs. But And there are things I, you know, maybe would change if I was in charge. But <laughs> I still think, it, you know, but that's every organization, right? right. You know, like me, I probably feel that way about the Catholic Church. But I still go to church. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. you're never going to find everything that meets every one of your needs. And so, you know, I kind of, I'm of the school of thought of take, take the good and, and ignore you know, the right. parts that you don't like so much. Well, you, anyway. you know, you can find fault in anything if that's the direction you choose to go, but you can find the yeah. good in anything. Just the same. Yeah. yeah. And, and there like is, I said... I think, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, you know, they're talking about membership changes in RWA for uh, tax requirements. And, you know, it's interesting to sort of be on the forefront of that as someone actively writing, because I do about one to two thousand words a day and just to see the difference in you know what the organization can do for you but also the strictures that they're bound by mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there's been a lot of chatter about that as well and you know like you said it's a large organization and people have different needs but it is supposed to be a professional organization and so they have to have certain standards um, for tax reasons and, and for other reasons. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that the the chatter will will die down at one point. But um, but I'm glad that you find it helpful. Um, like I said, I'm I'm always surprised when I talk to people who are like, oh no, I don't belong to any organization. I'm like, how hard has that got to be? Because even if it's just reaching out and talking to someone who who's going through what you're going through, whether it be you know trying to finish a final draft or dealing with roadblocks in your novel or, you know, just figuring out what's my publication journey, what's what's going to be best for me, have you talked to this publisher, have you done, you know, this when you've been self-publishing. It's just good to have a resource. So, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm really – I wish I had more time uh, to devote to it and be able to go every month to a meeting, but it, it definitely has been helpful. But now, Claire, maybe you could talk a little bit about the – the titles that you do have out, and what you typically do in terms of promotion. Well, um, I've got three, as I said. The, the one that I put out, the Romantica one, is called It's Not Love, and it's it it's basically it's a romance story wrapped in... My challenge with that story, I, it was a challenge to myself, and that challenge was to see how I personally could push the heat level. Uh, still within the confines of a, a one-on-one male-female relationship. Um, and the story is very simple. You know, girl goes back to hometown, sees guys that she was in love with this entire time. They have lots of sex, and then they wind up together. Um, I had a lot of fun writing it, although I did blush at times. <laughs> but 
I put that one up first because it was the easiest one, and I wasn't really clear on my journey then. I, I was, it was kind of a dare from my brother. He was like, I put one up. I was like, well, fine, I will too. Um, and then I didn't do anything to promote it, not one thing. I will be quite candid. I didn't have a website. I didn't have a Facebook. I did nothing. And I put up my second one, which is, one of my contemporaries, it's called Sense of Adventure, and it's um, an extreme, a very jaded, extreme sports uh, company owner meets a very unjaded girl, who's, woman who's still struggling to find out who she is and free herself from, you know, trying to please everyone. And that's got a fair amount of heat, too. Like, like I said, all of my books have a lot of heat in them. I put that one up, and then on the heels of that was my... Uh, the first novella, Urban Fantasy, which is Beginning Time, which is a time travel story that's going to have a four or five book arc because it's got a, an apocalyptic thing that happens and she's trying to save it. And that the one that's the series with the least amount of heat in it. It's only got one sex scene, gasp, which was tragic for some of my fans. Um, and it's 30, each novella is going to be about 30,000 words. And at the point that I put that out, I have this friend named Stacy who is probably listening who contacted me and said, what are you doing? You've got to get your presence out there. So we work together. She does PR. We work together, and I got a website. I used a professional company to put together a really great website, created a Goodreads account, created an Amazon Author Central page, a separate Facebook page from my personal page, and a Twitter account, which I mostly use for um, book stuff. So on each of them, you know, I try to blog once a week, at least on my website. I post news on my Facebook page. It's like I, I think I was saying earlier, this this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Self-publishing is a thing that you just have to keep trying to do. So for me, I've got to be active on my website. I've got to, you know, talk to you. I've got to make sure that the people, I have about 180 people on my Facebook page, so I'm still building my brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was well, interesting. Well, I checked out your website. It does look very nice. So you're yeah, definitely you do a great job. Well Thank, you. Way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but that's what's so important. It's, you know, you have to have that personal contact, um, and you have to know what it is you're trying to say. So each one of all of those places, mostly my website, say my my two most active places are my website and my Facebook uh, author page. Mm -hmm. Because those are the places I think where you really connect. Twitter is great for 140 words of this is what's going on. But a lot of people use Twitter for promotion. I kind of think it's a little oversaturated. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, what I typically use it for is just links to to my interviews, and I, I you know, if I'm having a release, I might like, put something out there. But yeah, there's, you, you know, I think we've all unfollowed people who are just constantly saying, "Buy my book, buy my book," yeah. and it really is supposed to be social, and you know, yeah. so yeah, you have to be careful about I think Twitter and how you use it because you don't want to turn people off. But anyway, yeah. well, it sounds like you're hitting all the all the social media places. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, um, or just give our listeners um, your website page and and your Twitter handle. Sure, my website page is www. 
dot Claire C L A I R E Devon D A V is in Victor O N dot com. Uh, Facebook is Claire Devon Indie Author, all one word. And then Twitter. My Twitter handle was originally my. I have a an interesting story about. Uh, I have kind of an online name I use, but Twitter is BB Marlowe, B I B I M A R L O W E. And then Amazon Central and Goodreads are just my name. Right. Okay. Well, great. Well, Claire, thanks so much for joining um, this evening. It's really been interesting to hear about your journey and and your paranormal world um, building. And um, it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting series, so I can't wait to hear that. Make sure that you like the Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books Facebook fan page because you can let us know when those books are out. And um, and I'd love to post about it. So, again, Claire, thanks so much for joining, and best of luck with all your writing. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. Great. Well, thanks again. Um, Again, just wanted to remind everyone about my recent release, Cold Spring, is available on Amazon exclusively. That joins my um, prior release, uh, The Girls on Rose Hill, which was released in August, and it's gotten some really, really nice reviews, so please check that out. Um, my paranormal series, The Devil and Legacy, is, um, re- has been released by Kensington. The first book in that series, Devil's Mountain, is only 99 cents, so that's a great way to get introduced to my family of sexy Irish witches. So um, you can see all my covers and excerpts for all my books at www.burnsetwalsh.com. So thanks so much for joining me. This is Bernadette Walsh at Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.